What's up, everybody? This is Alexis, and you're listening to another episode of the Power to Be show. When the worship service is over, what do you do? Many of us go to church every week, and some go periodically. But worship is not a one-day event. It's in everything you do, including while working throughout the week. On the Power to Be show, we are showing people every week the impact of recognizing how God impacts every aspect of your life. Dive in each week as Dr. Bird, who is both a pastor and professor, chats with various entrepreneurs and leaders in the community. This week, we have Dr. Marcus Davidson, a native of Tuscumbia, Alabama. I hope I pronounced that right and is the senior pastor of the new Mount Olive Baptist Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Before I turn it over to the host, in addition to subscribing to our YouTube channel, consider being a sponsor or a donor of the show. We all have the power to be. Now here is our host, Dr. Terrell Bird. Thank you, Alexis. Wow, it's good to be back on the Power to Be show, and I am just super delighted to have with us today Reverend Dr. Marcus Davison. It's so good to have you with us at the show. Thank you, Dr. Bird. I appreciate you having me here. I can't tell you um, how excited I am to be here. Uh, when I got the invitation, I was overly, overly excited. So I just want you to know that I'm proud of you. Uh, of the work that you're doing and all that I've seen you do. And just um, to be perfectly honest with you, you are um, a real um, inspiration to me. Well, that, that's good. And I hope I don't owe you any money for that comment. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, yes, I am just happy to have you. And I, I do have, I have a disclaimer to our audience. This We're, we're blood. We're, yes, we're, we're blood. And his grandmother and my father were brothers and sisters. So I am just delighted to, to have him, not only because he's blood, but because he has already proven himself worthy as someone that deserves to be acknowledged for the work he's doing. So I'm going to talk a little bit, if that's okay. Yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about your pastoral role. Then I'm going to talk a little bit about your kind of entrepreneurial spirit, that kind of thing. But what I really want to dig into is, you know, we, uh, even though we're relatives, you come from the South, Mm -hmm. And I'm from the Midwest, and I'm wondering if you could just tell me something about your upbringing and how that shaped who you are now. Uh, Dr. Bird, I'll, I'll say this unapologetically. I'm from the rural part of Alabama. I, I appreciate my upbringing in the sense that parents who um, have always taught us, me and my siblings, to fear God have a healthy relationship with God. So that is first and foremost, the most foundational part mm. of life. They, they taught us 
deep spirituality. And we still, every, every week now, we pray together as a family. Mm, wow. So that part is a blessing. And I say this, even being in a rural area, moving to a more metropolitan area, mm-hmm. what I discovered is the roots of my upbringing developed and shaped my life. It wow. shaped me, my thought process, yeah. how I appreciate uh, life, how I've learned to live with little and appreciate much and mm. how I've learned to always treat everybody regardless of who you may be, what you may have, mm. treat everybody with the same level of respect because yeah. that's what my parents taught me. And wow. and that that for me has helped me to become the person, pastor, man that I am. And yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Wow, wow. And so uh, the South, even though the images of the South often uh, have this kind of uh, picture of of segregation mm-hmm. and discrimination uh, because of your upbringing that the impact of that was less sharp on your world. You know what, to be honest with you, I, I did experience even in my early years mm-hmm. um, forms of racism, mm-hmm. but as bad as some may perceive it to be mm-hmm. in Alabama, um, there were moments where it was not as bad as some may have perceived it, like mm. it it could have been, and it, and it was in mm-hmm. the 60s. But even in my formative years, I still dealt with some aspects of it, but also that helped to make me mm. a stronger person. Mm-hmm. It helped to shape me. Uh, certain words that people may say, mm-hmm. um, they don't they don't trigger me. They don't okay. they don't hurt me as hard. In fact. It has been part of the reason I've I've read the way that I've read mm-hmm. and I've studied the way that I've studied because I wanted to be a person who would combat that kind of spirit, mindset, mm-hmm. attitude. So yeah. I would say it it strengthened me okay. rather okay. than hurt me. Good, good. And you know, being a PK. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. And uh, I know that my, my cousin, your father, mm-hmm. uh, Green Davison, uh, I wonder if that is gives an advantage. And I think that it might uh, an advantage to our worldview in terms of being raised in that kind of spiritual uh, community, that context. You know what? I, I would say that it does give an edge Mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'll speak personally. It gave me an edge because my mom and dad taught us spiritual disciplines, Mm -hmm. even though they didn't teach us spiritual disciplines in the way that, quote unquote, a Richard Foster would teach mm-hmm, spiritual mm-hmm, disciplines. Mm-hmm. They were teaching us to pray. They mm-hmm. taught us to fast. Mm-hmm. They taught us to read scripture. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was spiritual disciplines. I didn't know that they were shaping me spiritually, but they, they, they did. And my wife and myself now teach our daughter the same thing. Mm-hmm. So that to me shaped me more yeah. than I even realized wow. that, I can lose my keys in the house and I'll start praying, Lord, help me. Find. But I, that's, <laughs> yeah. what I, that's where I was oh, talking. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, yeah. I take it serious mm-hmm, prayer. Mm-hmm, I, yeah. take, I take serious reading and studying scripture. So right. just having that foundation, I mm-hmm. think it does to mm-hmm. be reared in a home where, sure. where God is mm-hmm. a centerpiece, yeah. where God is the centerpiece. Sure. I think that that does yeah. have an impact on my worldview, yeah. how I viewed a lot of things in life um, that some people might have been broken by, mm. it helped me to look at it through the lens of 
a, a spiritual person, mm-hmm. a person who's connected to Christ. Yeah. And rather than seeing it as an obstacle, yeah. I viewed it as an opportunity. Yeah. Wow. And I like the fact that you talk about it being intergenerational, mm-hmm. that that's something that you can pass on to your daughter as well. Correct. I think that's great. One of the things, and I just want to kind of jump now and transition a little bit, is because the work of the church mm-hmm. um, and in the context that both you and I have worked in the context of the black church yes, and how important it is that the church has been almost everything to the black experience. Right. Talk a little bit about how the church has informed your world. You know, I think for me, when I think of that whole idea of the black church experience, mm-hmm. I, I think you have to see that black church and the black community almost as synonymous mm-hmm. it, without black church. You don't have a black community. Right. Black community is the black church. Mm-hmm. So what I've discovered in my own lived experience is there's something about um, the power of the black church mm-hmm. uh, to get you through tumultuous times. We've seen it in, in times past. Mm-hmm. And I say this unapologetically. Now I think the black church is still the entity mm-hmm. that can change society mm-hmm. that can transform society because a lot of what we've seen in history, mm-hmm. the black church was there. And, and I, and I say now that there is a need for a praxeological response. We have to mediate Christ to the world mm-hmm. in the strongest way. I yeah. think the black church has to be a voice for the yeah. voiceless. The black yeah. church has to be that entity that unapologetically stands yeah. in the midst of the chaos yeah. in society and bring calm. Yeah. Wow. I think that's, wow. That's great. Uh, you know, Dr. King often talked about the soul of the nation mm-hmm. and the save that the church for him, he saw the church as kind of a savior to, to the nation. And perhaps the reason for that is because of the suffering and the redemptive nature that the black experience has taught or has informed black people. I don't know if you see that as well. You know what? And, and I do believe the church has purpose in the experience of suffering, particularly black suffering Mm -hmm. because oppression is still real. And I think when we look at Western Christianity Mm -hmm. and how it has been purported to most people, it's difficult for African-Americans, particularly African-American men, to appreciate or accept the black church mm-hmm. and the black church experience in Christianity because of some of what we've seen in Western Christianity. So I was reading a book not long ago by Anthony Penn, who really pushes this whole idea um, about humanism mm. and that there is there is no redemptive plan or no redemptive reality to redemptive suffering. Right. So okay. mm-hmm. he's arguing that, you know, and, and again, I don't necessarily agree with everything. He's, mm-hmm. I appreciate his argument, mm-hmm. but it also helped me to understand that there is a redemptive nature yeah. of suffering. Yeah. There is something about the black lived experience, mm-hmm. the black suffering that we've gone through mm-hmm. and go through mm-hmm. that should in the black church prompt us to not be so lethargic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but to truly be about yeah. The praxis of ministry, sure. not simply coming to church, having a great time, mm-hmm. um, meeting and greeting and fellowshipping. But what happens when we see inequities in society? Mm-hmm. What yeah. happens when we see challenges in society? Yeah. And for me, as a pastor, that has helped me even more. So I would say in the last few years mm-hmm. to take a different look at yeah. 
what is what 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 should we be doing yeah, in yeah. the world today? I, I think yeah, I think you hit up on something that uh, often, particularly among uh, white evangelicals, mm-hmm. that there has been uh, a little bit of a criticism of social justice. Yes, sir, and not being able to really see social justice in the context of uh, inequities mm-hmm. that are present in the world, uh, particularly among those uh, uh, minorities, uh, right. people of color, uh, and how important it is that we must continue to preach a message of justice right. and that justice happens in society, thus making it social. So, so social justice <laughs> is Correct. a reality. So, and, yeah. and you know what, Dr. Yeah. Bird, you're so true. And even in in many of your writings and mm-hmm. the things that I've heard you share in speaking, mm-hmm. I appreciate the fact that you do not back off of that, mm-hmm. regardless of who is around. Mm-hmm. You stand solely on scripture. Mm-hmm. You stand on the truth of understanding that mm-hmm. social justice is just that. And reading, and I'll say this, my whole hermeneutic, my whole view of scripture, mm-hmm. I think as I've lived longer has, has adjusted. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would, I would say the focus is adjusting in the sense, just reading the gospel of Luke, I'll use that. Luke presents Jesus mm-hmm. as a prophet of justice. Yes, yeah. Jesus was interested in looking at the law through sure. mercy. Yeah. And I think the church has to look with a lens and an eye of mercy. Yeah, yeah. So when I do hear people diminish social justice, mm-hmm. I believe we have to turn right around and stand and say, sure. it is, it is a reality. Right. It is, it is everyday living. When you see people can't get housing, when you see disparities in healthcare, yeah. when you see disparities in pay, gender disparities, sure. women are treated different than men yeah. and and the black woman even yeah. more so yeah. who's been oppressed in society sure. from day one sure. I, I believe the black church has to, has to speak into that speak into that yeah, yeah yeah and and not in a sense of glorifying victimization right, so it's not right. saying look you know poor us you know exactly and not also getting so focused on kind of identity politics mm-hmm. so so i think I think that the the black church, and again, I just wanted to stay there because I know yes, much of your research, and particularly your uh, your 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 ministry, D Men work, mm-hmm. centered around the black church yes, experience, sir. and so I appreciate that. And I think that there is a tremendous legacy of the mm-hmm. work of the black church that should not be forgotten or overlooked. So, right, yeah, and, yeah. and and you know, Doctor Bird, I I think that when we talk about black church, it is not to diminish any other culture, Mm -hmm. any other church, any other lived experience of someone of a different ethnic background. But I do believe that there is a space that the black church has to maintain and has to truly make sure the voice is there. Yes. And what I, what I've noticed as of late, a younger generation of black preachers seem to be, looking back at the James Cone, Mm -hmm. at the Martin Luther King, at the Malcolm X, and seeing what can they 
discover from yeah. those experiences yeah. that will help the black right. church. Yeah, the, picking up those nuggets of truth that they left us. Right. I, and I know that that Cone, what challenged Cone was uh, uh there was a fellow by the name of Joseph Washington wrote mm-hmm. uh, the the black religion and it was very critical of the black church and saying that the black church was not genuine Christianity. Yeah. And Cone did not, that did not sit well with yeah. Cone. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he began to say, we need to explore this a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's important. Um, um, and, and again, yeah. you know, I, I think for me, the work that you brought out about Dr. King and the way that you looked at Dr. King, because, you know, most people, they just go to, I have a dream. That, that's <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. but, but you've yeah. looked at him from a different lens. Mm-hmm. And I think you presented him in a way that we can see him as a prophet mm-hmm. of justice. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was more than a man that was marching, yes. but he dealt with economic issues. Yeah. He dealt with uh, the societal issues that yeah. were truly painful yeah. to us and Absolutely. to so many that he was just not the I have a dream speech. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, just not that person, yeah. but he was truly a drum major for justice. Yeah, he yeah. he truly sought to help people yeah. live a life that God intended for them. Absolutely. And again, I, I think that the contemporary pastor preacher mm-hmm. has to contemporize, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. social justice. Yeah. Because I think that even some black people are afraid to talk about it because yeah. of how others have mm-hmm. suggested sure. what it is yes. when in fact that is what it is not. Right. Yeah. Good. I think that's good. That's all good. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the other thing I want to talk to you about and get you to share mm-hmm. with our audience is your role as a pastor uh, of a significant church in in the community, particularly in the Fort Lauderdale community, but also in national because you've made some national impact and even globally because there's been some work that you've done. I've, I noticed that in the Caribbean, yes, you've done some work there. But talk about the work of the church you're at now, New Mount Olive. Talk about that and what what your presence there. What has happened in the midst of that congregation? Uh, let me just say it like this. I, I stand on the shoulders of Dr. Matt King Carter. Mm-hmm. I stand on the shoulders of Dr. George Weaver, who were two of the pastors who were there before I was, who did a phenomenal yeah, work. Very prominent. Matt very prominent. Carter. Oh, my goodness. And, yes. and, I, and I will say I'm, I'm an introvert. So let me just let me, let me say that first. <laughs> So a lot of times people view me as being standoffish or um, just depends on what they may say. But <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very um, introverted. So I like being a servant. I, I, I like, I like being a servant leader. Mm-hmm. I, I like to see the end before the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that I operate as a leader is I want to know what the finish line looks like. I want to know what the end goal is. So if I know what the end goal is, now let me see how we navigate a path to get there mm-hmm. with the least amount of opposition, with the least amount of challenge and struggle. So how do we get there? And at the church, it is my goal to to really create a, a culture of servant leaders mm-hmm. where yeah. it's not about it's not about titles. It's okay. not about position. And I often say 
we ought to be seen serving, mm. but we ought not serve to, to be, be seen. seen. I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so you know, for for me, if they walk by, they shouldn't be able to tell who is in charge or not because we should all be mm. grinding and working so mm. hard. So, for our church, we have a a very strong presence in our community um, with HIV AIDS with homeless population um, with our with our youth and children we've adopted schools we, we work hard to impact people within the community mm-hmm. we work hard to impact people globally we have a, about 11 villages that we support in east africa mm-hmm. and the church was doing that prior to me getting there mm-hmm. and, and i've been excited to continue that sure. work so it's it's so much that we seek to do mm-hmm to help humanity. And yeah. I think it's a responsibility. And and I take it for our church. It's our responsibility in that community to lift that community. Yeah, up. Yeah. I, th- I think the church should have an economic impact on the okay, community, okay. a positive economic impact. Yeah. I think the church should have a positive impact on housing challenges and crisis. I think the church should have an impact that's positive on educating our youth. So for me, it's more than just Sunday. Yeah. I think church is every day. I think yeah. ministry is yeah. every day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I actually, you live out the theme of what we've been trying to emphasize on the power to be show, which is that Sunday does not stop. You know, the, that work does not, worship does not stop on Sunday. That's great. But on Monday on two, you're doing so the engagement of the community is critical to really living out your faith walk. Right. Uh, and I, I, and I see or sense that that's what you're saying that new Mount Olive has been trying to do for these many years. That, that's it. it. It's almost as if what you're saying is life after church. I was mm-hmm. a part of a program with some guys. And we talked about life after church. Mm-hmm. What do we do after we leave on Sunday? Yeah. And to me, that's what really tells of our walk with God, yeah. our faith walk. How do I treat the people on my job? Yeah, yeah. How do I see a need and try to meet that need Absolutely. beyond a Sunday morning? So yeah. as you say, that is worship. That's worship, that, yeah. Me blessing someone <laughs> and helping them yeah, yeah. be lifted up, that's yeah. worship. That's, because again, yeah. I think we've, we've almost made worship uh, a Sunday exercise mm, yeah, versus yeah, yeah. worship is a way of life. Right. And yeah. we worship yeah. through every act of our right. being. I think yeah. every single day yeah, of our yeah. life. So that's important. That's important. I heard one preacher say that we, it got, it's gotten to the point where so many people worship, worship. That's true. <laughs> you know? That's so true. It's, uh, what we have to do is to see worship beyond just Sunday. Correct. Um, and I, I want to also, something else that you picked up on, which is the economic, that the church becoming kind of an economic engine for the community mm-hmm. and for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it has to be um, clarified that when we talk about economic uh, engagement. We're not simply saying the prosperity no. narrative where oftentimes uh, churches, they'll say, well, prosperity, but prosperity for who? Mm-hmm. And it should be prosperity for all. Right. And I think that what I hear you saying is that economic development or engagement is how do you lift the community through it? And I'm glad you brought that out, Dr. Bird, because one of the things that we hear all of the time is what is the what is the black church doing for the community? Mm-hmm. What is the black church doing for the community? And you hear that and you hear all of the negative remarks about 
preachers and money, mm-hmm. churches and money. But I'll give a real life testimony. It was during the pandemic. The New Mount Olive Baptist Church, we were feeding people, mm-hmm. lines of people. The church, the black church, we were feeding people. When they were asking African-Americans to get tested for COVID, asking African-Americans um, to um, get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And, and whatever one's position is, that's their position. Mm-hmm. But it was the black church, New Mount Island Baptist Church in Broward County. Mm-hmm. We were leading those efforts. We have been a part of helping young people go to college. Mm-hmm literally giving scholarships, giving computers. So when I hear people say, what is the black church doing? I say, we're making a difference. Mm. We, we are, we are putting our money where our mouth mm-hmm. is. The old mm-hmm. adage. We, it's not, it's not about just getting, it's right. about receiving. Now the reality of it is the business of church. When you give and we manage properly, we can make an impact. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where people do not want to have that real conversation mm-hmm. because, and I said, this is some people I said, I didn't see club owners opening up the club and right. feeding people. That's I right. said, That's but right. the church was literally putting food on people's table mm-hmm. when people could barely make ends meet. And, and I say unequivocally, the yeah. black church the New Olive Black mm-hmm. Baptist Church, mm-hmm. Black Baptist Church. Yeah, we yeah. are serious about impacting people's yeah, lives yeah. for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- and, you know, I love that because there is a sense of, uh, of ownership, um, of, of self-determination that the church, mm-hmm. and when I say the church, the, the black church, yes, which sir. has been called upon, Yes, sir. To be able to meet specific needs within the community that oftentimes go uh, unnoticed. And you said the word, Dr. Murray said called upon. Mm -hmm. The black churches, we had the governor's office calling our church to help get people out to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Called upon. The black church is being yeah, called, called upon, upon. Yeah. every day when they, when there are when, when there's injustice, mm-hmm. the black church is called upon yeah. to step in. So what are we doing? Making a difference. Making a difference. Making yeah. A difference. Yeah. And I and I think that that message uh, needs to be promoted. Uh, we don't talk enough about it. Correct. Uh, there's not enough platforms that are, that are out to tell people that we are doing. But you something. are doing that. Well, I'm, I'm trying. And I pre- but but uh, you know what, Doctor yeah, Bird? Even yeah. even at that, if we talk about it, this is this is kind of the slippery slope, if you mm-hmm. will. If we talk about it, well, you should do it and not say anything. If you're really doing it from a genuine mm-hmm. heart, if you do not talk about it. What is the black church doing? Right. So I've taken the biblical approach. Yeah. Maybe if we talk about it, it will cause someone else to maybe yeah. do some good work. So Absolutely. we yeah. have to. Yeah. We have yeah. To talk yeah. About it. And, and, you know, you know, the scripture uh, teaches us to go out into the, the hedges and the highways, yes, you know, and so that's, we've been called to, to go out there. That's and, um, and so often uh, that is missed. Now that's, now let me kind of transition okay. just a little bit okay. because, uh, this whole economic development, uh, I believe, uh, and I've worked with groups who really talk about the mm-hmm. integration of faith and work mm-hmm. 
that the work we do somehow needs to be connected to our faith. Give me your your thoughts on that, uh, faith and work integration. I clearly believe that okay. who we are mm-hmm. as, as believers, mm-hmm. it should be evident in every aspect of our life. It's okay. not as if I'm this person at church. So on Sunday, I'm saved, I'm in the church, but when I get when I get to work on Monday, let me turn all of that off <laughs> right. and just be a normal person. Yeah. That's that, that there is no separation. Yeah. There, there is, that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that if that's who I am, it's not about me walking around with a Bible under my right. arm mm-hmm. or a cross around my neck and saying, I'm a believer. Right. I think it's simple as me speaking to you on a Monday mm-hmm. when most people have a mundane Monday, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, simple yeah, as yeah. perhaps I buy you a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. To me, that's, that's modeling mm-hmm. a, a faith walk mm-hmm. and it's integrating my faith mm-hmm. into my everyday life. Yeah. It's, it's And Dr. Burr, most people think I've got to do something huge. It's mm-hmm. simple as saying good morning mm-hmm. because you'll yeah. be surprised how many people yeah. who walk past people that won't speak. Yeah. Simple as that. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, because, you know, America has kind of compartmentalized right. uh, our faith. And so often people will say, you know, well, that's Sunday. That's what they do on Sunday. But now when I go out on, yeah. <laughs> on Monday, on Wednesday, you know. Yeah. Uh, so what, but what we're saying, and I think that you have made that point so clear, is that it has to be seamless. Yeah. So it's not decompartmentalized. It's actually compartmentalized into a, a single unit of who I am, the right. whole person, the whole person. That's good. I, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Now, uh, talk a little bit about what you have in terms of, um, I, you know, another thing that we see this faith integration is through um, um uh, small business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we've talked and emphasized on this show uh, small business incubation mm-hmm. programs and incubators, but also about entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and how vital an entrepreneurial spirit is for not for everyone, but right. for, for <laughs> it's not for everyone, <laughs> not yeah. for everyone yeah. but for some. So mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about you and onto the the entrepreneurial spirit. I'll, I'll tell you um, one of the things that kind of moved me to that mindset. I, I'll say like my dad has always been about business. I mean, from farming yeah. to restaurant yeah. and my mom fussing at him about doing it, but right there with him the whole time, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. you know, so I've shared this with my wife and we've talked about this pretty in depth that I love pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. I love the work of the church, but I think pastoral ministry it's beyond just the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I have been working for years to create an economic path mm-hmm. that unlike most African-American pastors who pass there like a long, long time, I, that's not my, that's not my goal. Mm-hmm. That's not my desire. And I pray that's not my lot in life. <laughs> you know, I love, I love the work and sure. I, I'm all the way engaged now, but, mm-hmm. but I also think that from a pure goal oriented perspective, mm-hmm. I have sought opportunities to create mm-hmm. um, economic wealth for me and my family. Mm-hmm. 
And one of the things that um, we did is we invested into um, a restaurant business with a, with a partner, mm-hmm. a couple of partners, which is important in the sense that many African-Americans um, don't collaboratively work together. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so there was an opportunity. We collaboratively worked with the group, got into a business. Mm-hmm. Well, after that, that was the restaurant side. I spoke to another person about commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. So I got into commercial real estate through this thing called real estate syndication. Okay. And there was an opportunity to get in. And what I did was pull the group together, raise capital, and we raised capital and got in. Again, collaborative mm-hmm. visioning, collaboratively working together. So those are two of the things that I've done that I would consider more significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and one is one is within the state, one is outside of the state. But those are two things that I've I've mm-hmm. done that I believe will be. Uh, you yeah, know. I, I I love the fact that you understand the pastoral role. Mm-hmm. That the pastoral role is not necessarily a permanent correct role. For sometimes people see as pastors is like mm-hmm. marriage till death do us part. Right, right, right. <laughs> but we don't want death to do us part. We want to be able no. to live no, <laughs> and to be able to, at least if we need to retire, mm-hmm. if we need to transition to something else, we can still have a pastoral spirit. Right. But that we don't take ownership of the church. Right. Right. And I think sometimes, uh, and and I must say sometimes in the black church, it's true. that is the way it's often perceived is mm-hmm. that there is this idea that is the ownership of the, of the church. And I think that we, you make that point clear. The other thing that I like about what you said is that there are opportunities available if we have a collaborative approach that one person can't do it alone. Yeah. Uh, And so oftentimes uh, there's this idea that everybody is an Island and everybody has to fight by themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think you talk about this kind of the crab mentality that has often been a part. You know what I think that is derived from this. If I don't get the whole pie, I don't, I don't, I'll, I'll miss a piece (laughs) if I don't get the whole or, um, if I have an opportunity to get a slice of pie, mm-hmm. I'm not telling anyone else about it. Mm-hmm. My philosophy has been this. If I get enough slices of the pie, mm-hmm. I can create a whole pie. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want to eat by myself. Right. So yeah. I'm yeah. always looking for opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then I'm always sharing those opportunities with other people. Mm-hmm. Not that they have to. But I love making people aware yeah. that there is this opportunity and, and every opportunity is not an opportunity you should jump on. Mm-hmm. That's and, and then entrepreneur aspect of it. You have to make calculated, mm-hmm. prayerful calculated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but and, and do the research. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's the hard part of, of going through the research process. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people don't want to do the research or spend the time and take the time to make sure that you vet and understand mm-hmm. with all of the right people, mm-hmm. people who have the knowledge. And that to me 
keeps you from the crab mentality when you think of let's all eat. Let's 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 all feast mm-hmm. together. Yeah. So that has been my approach. So Good. with this last opportunity, I called several people. Some people connected, some people didn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'll say this to many people. I'm like, you don't have to have a lot of money to do mm-hmm. it. But if we collectively put a little bit together, mm-hmm. we can do something big. Yeah. And I said, if we keep doing a little bit together, it keeps getting bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger. Yeah. Yeah. But most people struggle with coming together or people like to hold stuff to themselves. Again, yeah. I, I want everyone. Sure. And I say that because I know our lived experience. Mm-hmm. It's been so often we miss opportunities because people wouldn't share. Sure, so right. I've, I've been intentional about sharing. Plus I literally asked God for three opportunities. Mm-hmm. I'm on two. Okay, so I need okay. one more. One more. Okay. <laughs> one more. And, and, I, and again, going okay. back to the spirituality okay. of looking through that lens. Okay. Do you want to share your, your, your last one? Oh, I'll, share, I'll, yeah. share my, I'll share it if okay. I get it. I'll share with you if I okay. get it. I definitely will. Okay. So yeah. you pray and I'll pray. Okay. Right? Yeah. But yeah. that's it. I mean, that's it's, it's it. just, yeah. you know, okay. to keep away, yeah. to, to try to keep that, that mentality. And again, and Dr. Burr, let me say this. I received opportunities because you opened doors. And mm. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Mm. There's an opportunity I have now that you created for me, I called you about one thing and you said, have you heard about this? Mm. And you opened the door when you didn't even have to. Oh. And, and again, yeah. it's that mentality that yeah. I think we have to die yeah. as a, as a people. Sure. Sure. Well, I, I love what you're, you're doing because it's, it's biblical. Yes, sir. It's the banquet table. Yes, sir. And Jesus is calling everyone to the banquet. Right. You know? Right. So he's not saying, go fix a table there. Right. <laughs> Eat by yourself. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Because you know what? When yeah. you say we're not an island to ourselves, right. we were not saved in isolation. Right. right. Yeah. But I, I, I think that to me has been an Achilles heel for the black community that mm. we've just mm. not mm. taken the opportunity mm-hmm. to open doors for yeah. other. And we literally have our hand on the knob Mm. and we have, we are the one who's Mm. giving access. Yeah. yeah. But we have the tendency to, once we go in, close it and lock it. Yeah. But, but on the other side of that too, is that you have to be prepared to be able to enter into your opportunity. That's true. That's true. And that you are. And so, (laughs) so, so to me, that's, I, I have a great deal of, of pride, uh, for you, thank you. Uh, thank you, because you've taken advantage of that, and that gets me to kind of the last uh, series of questions, okay. question or two yes, that I have okay. for you, and that is, what are some advisable uh, messages? What advice would you give someone? Now, here's what I want to be careful about. Okay. I'm not going to say advise somebody that do what you do because you're doing so many things. <laughs> yeah, but, okay. okay. <laughs> But let's say in the area of entrepreneurial, uh, some of those things you've already shared, tell me the pros and then tell me the cons. Give me a couple of pros and then a couple of cons. Uh, the pros is if you get the right connections and the, and the right people involved, it could turn out to be something super good. Mm. But it requires research. It requires a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And it requires a lot of patience okay. because, because most people, Dr. Bird, they, when they look at business, they, they view it as 
I make this investment. This happens overnight. Mm-hmm. It does not turn around overnight. Mm-hmm. It does not turn. And again, you got to make sure you're not taking your mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. That That's what you do not. You do not take the money you need to live okay. day to day. Okay. You build and build and build until you get to a place mm. where you have something that perhaps is sitting dormant. Okay. And it's not really generating a lot of return. And you find the right opportunity that you can you can afford to take that. Mm-hmm. And and I, let me just make this disclaimer. I'm not giving any kind of, you know, don't do, uh, <laughs> you know, let's make sure we're good. But yeah. some of the things that I've done is I waited until I had some capital that was sitting there. Yeah. I, I knew that mm-hmm. it needed to be doing more than that. Okay. And again, diversifying it. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, making it more than one pot. Mm-hmm. Don't don't put it all in one pot and, and kind of diversify it. But the biggest challenge is can you be patient? Mm-hmm. Because uh, because it's like it's like planting. Sure. You plant a seed, you yeah. don't get you don't get the harvest immediately. Yeah. But if you if you can wait, if yeah. you can but but it's about long term. And okay. and nothing that I'm doing is for a, a quick turnaround. Right. Everything right. for me is about the long game. Okay. It's about the long and game. And you hit up on uh, an important point that people need to understand, I think. And that is you've got to do some saving. You've got to have develop working capital. That's it. And so you can't a lot of people have a lot of dreamers. There are a lot of dreams. Right. <laughs> I see that all huge dreams. Right. Yeah. But but it's more than dreaming, it's also doing. Right. And doing may mean that you've got to invest. You've got to have you got to and and then and as you say uh, you've got to collaborate and all those mm-hmm. kind of things. And then you have to have a long-term vision. That it's, it's process. It's, yeah, it's a and process. And Dr. Burke, most people want to skip the process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In life, you can't skip the yeah, process. Yeah. And part of the process yeah. is saving. Yeah. So until you get, you may have that mm-hmm. dream, yeah. but in order to get to that dream, yeah. there are methodical steps you have to take. Yeah. And again, it's a day-by-day process. Yeah. And And I often tell people, you have to understand this has been years in the making. It didn't just happen overnight. Mm-hmm. It, it, man, I'm I'm telling you, I knew the time when I only had two suits. Mm-hmm. One this Sunday, one the next Sunday, one this Sunday mm-hmm. next, and I kept going. Yeah, and and it was times when I had one pair of shoes, mm-hmm. but I kept going. So so the process. Yeah, most most people most people see. Where you are, but they don't know what you've been. That's right. Nah, and, and, been but through. but now you got some nice suits, and they, and they even have two, three. <laughs> <laughs> and they have two, three. But the Lord has blessed you. I'm still struggling. <laughs> I'm grateful. I'm but grateful. but you see what God can do. Yes, and sir. that's and and I think that's good advice to give anyone. Sometimes you just have to be patient that's and it. wait. And keep working, that's and it. and hold on. I'd like to pray for you if that's all right, because I'm, I'm, I I'm, I just I'm blessed by you and blessed for you. But I'm asking God to continue to bestow upon you. But let me say all this right. before you pray. Thank you so much for all you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I say this because you do this for so many people. Um, I, I I see people all of the time. And they know your name. They know mm-hmm. what you've done. They know what you do, and they speak so highly of how you've impacted their life. So I just want you to know that you've had a direct impact on my life, on my family's life. 
my ministry life, my academic life. So mm. I appreciate you for all that you do. Well, God bless you. Thank you for yes, those sir. words. Yes, I appreciate sir. it. Let's, let's pray. Eternal God, we are so grateful for uh, the words that have come forth today. And I believe with all my heart, they are words that were sanctified through the Holy Spirit. We ask, oh God, that you would continue to, to bless Dr. Davison, that you would continue to uh, expand the borders of the, the work he's doing. And as he is being a blessing to others, dear God, that they also may be a blessing to others. We thank you, O oh God, even for the struggle. We thank you, O oh God, that, that even as he looks back and reflects back from where he's come, that he's always trusted in your presence in his life. Thank you, O oh God, for the living testimony that he is. And we pray, O oh God, that you will continue to bless him and his family, that they might be healthy and strong and be able to live life that's truly worthy of the calling that you've placed upon his life. So we give thanks to, to you, dear Lord, for him. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Dr. Davison, thank you for being not only a great pastor, but a great professor thank you, as sir. well. Thank a great you, professor and above all, a great husband and father. Thank we you. want to present to you something. I mean, we don't have much to give, but we have a little tumbler that has power to be on it. Oh, wow. And whenever you see it, you'll think of the Power to Be show. So we thank want to present so this I with you. I appreciate you so much for that. And again, thank you so much for allowing me to come. And Dr. Bird, I, I cannot say enough how much I appreciate what you mean to me and my family. God bless you. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Audience, we have been blessed from the words that have come forth by Dr. Davidson today and the conversation that we've had. We want you to also have the power to be. God bless you and join us next week. would like to thank this episode sponsor living word christian community located at 2390 south military trail west palm beach florida 33415 where dr terrell bird is the lead pastor the worship service begins at 10 30 a.m in person on facebook and instagram live